Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. That's cool. Hey, if people want to be a subjectivist, that's fine. They want to try out pulling, you know, this idea from Christianity and this idea from Hinduism and sort of make a tapestry of it. That's fine. But know that that's what you're doing and know that there are going to be consequences for taking teachings and ideas out of their context. Hi, it's Joseph. And thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. A few episodes back, we discussed how subjectivism became extreme in our society, which is apparent when we see the popularization of terms like alternative facts and fake news. And we can thank Descartes for planting that seed. However, even with this subjectivist approach to life, people are not living in accordance with Descartes' philosophy and examining their perception of the world. Instead, we settle into our beliefs in early adulthood and consistently resist being anything different even for a little while. Today I present you with a different model for living life, a model characterized by the embodiment and sampling of different philosophies and ways of being. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open up the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. I'm going to do a course after this next one that's going to be called something like how to learn anything, how to embody rather than learn. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be on this subject because I realized this is a basic rudimentary sort of thing. I didn't realize I needed to teach people how to relate to this information because if it stays in your head, it's not going to do a damn thing. It has to be applied. It has to be applied. It has to be applied. And so, you know, sometimes people will, uh, criticize my work saying it's too philosophical. And I get what they mean about that because the way we're taught philosophy is it's entirely abstract. Right? If you study philosophy in college, you will learn about different thinkers and philosophers, what they said and what they thought about the world. But at no time, except in you know, places like Naropa and Colorado, but in mainstream education, at no time will you be invited to actually try on and live according to those ideas. Well, that's what philosophy is, or that's what it used to be. You know, um, I wrote a, a, a blog a couple of days ago, I guess it'll come out in a week or two, about um, how we can blame Descartes for the extreme uh, subjectivism that exists today. Because Descartes is the guy who cooked up, I think, therefore I am, which most people don't understand what that means. I think therefore I am meant that besides your own internal mental experience, you can't know if any of anything else of your perception is real. That was his argument. That the only thing you can really know that's true 
is your internal experience, the, the activity of your thought, and everything else could be an illusion, which is pretty much impossible to refute. Now, okay, so now you understand that idea. What would living that idea look like? You know, so living that idea, let's connect this to like Byron Katie's famous first question of her four. Is that really true? Right. That's an applied example of that, um, that idea. Applying, I think, therefore I am means that whatever you're perceiving could be a total illusion. That actually your perception of anything outside of you could be, you could be being deceived. Now to actually live every moment and examine every perception you have and ask yourself, is that really true? Am I seeing this right? That's applying that philosophy. But people don't do that, right? In fact, they mostly do the opposite. If they say, well, I think this happened, you go, no, that doesn't make sense. I was there. This and then this happened and three other people agree with me. Well, that's not how it looks to me. I have alternative facts. It wasn't raining and there were millions of people there. That's not applying that philosophy. And, and Descartes' uh, uh, philosophy was not the only one that would invite people to consider that. He, he must have stolen it from Zen Buddhism, which had been talking about that for 2,000 years prior. Um, but of course, Descartes gets the title, the father of modern philosophy. Even though he stole it from Zen, he must have. I don't know, he might have come up with it on his own. So in the university of what matters, the university that one day I want to have, philosophy will be taught as you will learn about a philosopher and then you will go out into the world and you will live according to philosophy and your grade will be dependent on your ability to do that. In addition to your, I mean, you have to understand it to be able to do that. But knowing about it isn't enough. You got to get in there and experiment. Well, that threatens my beliefs because I'm a you know fundamentalist Muslim, and I can't uh, I can't just I can't try on uh, Descartes' ideas. It's against my religion. I see. So your belief system and values are so weak, you're afraid to do an experiment for a week or two using a different value system, a different belief. Why? If you're so convicted in your values, you'll do the experiment, and after a couple of weeks, you'll come back to being who you are, if that's who you actually are. You see? And so this rigidness of the unwillingness to actually try on things in in an embodied way, it goes back to that self-image. I'm an upper middle class, you know, Asian engineer guy, and my beliefs are this, this, and this, and this. And then that becomes the filter, and only certain things can get through there. Well, what does it take to actually be able to let in? anything and everything and judge the idea, the practice, the methodology on the merit of your experience using it, not on the, your ability to understand it at a mental level. Because the, as I said so often, the map is not the territory. The map is not the territory. The map is useful for experiencing the territory. But if you travel to uh, Estonia with a map of Estonia. Map, super useful. Helps you get to Estonia. When you get to, uh, af- after you leave the airport, helps you figure out where you want to go. But if you walk through Estonia, 
looking at the map, you will not experience Estonia, right? You're going to experience Estonia through the lens of the map. You look up every once in a while, but you're still looking at the map, right? And this is what most people do with uh, the kinds of teachings that I have. I'm not the only person who teaches this way. So all of this is to sharply demarcate the teachings of clear and open and any spiritual teachings, any, and this is the case with religion too. I'm, to me, it fascinates me. You know, I was raised Jewish. And one of the reasons I was so cynical about it at an early age is because I saw very quickly that almost nobody was living according to what the teachings were. So, uh, you know, I seem to be born with some kind of sense of inside and the outside need to match the, the back and the front. And when they don't match, it just makes me kind of itchy. So I looked around and I saw, okay, well, I'm going to Hebrew school in preparation for my bar mitzvah and I'm reading about God and this and that and God this and God that. And then I go home and my parents never talk about God. They never talk about it. I don't sense any kind of divinity around them. They're, they're, not, relating to, they're not relating to God in any kind of real way, except for um, once a year uh, or twice a year, you know, Passover, Passover and uh, what was it? Pesach. It's the uh, Hebrew word for Passover. For uh, Passover and um, oh, Yom Kippur, you know, they would fast, but that was more about like suffering and not eating than like fasting in order to get closer to God. There was no like, oh, son, I'm so hungry, but it's helping me get closer to God. There was no, zero, nothing. And then in my mid 20s, I asked them, do you guys even like believe in God? And they were like, no. I was like, well, how could you raise your children in the Jewish tradition when actually you didn't believe in God? And what did they say? Like most uh, Jews say, well, it's about the tradition of it. and It's about the culture of it and all that. It's like, okay. Yeah, that's transmitted. But do you see the disintegrity there? It's like, okay, if that's the case, then maybe tell your children that. Hey, kids, we don't actually believe in God. You may have a different experience, but in our own integrity and for the sake of you know, everything being clear, we're sending you to Hebrew school so that you can get exposed to the culture and the tradition of it and make up your mind about you know, all the other stuff. Make up your own mind you're you know, 13 or whatever. That would have made me a hell of a lot less angry as a kid. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe I never would have uh, become the teacher that I am. That's part of the subjectivism of our times where we look at teachings through the lens of, hmm, what can I pick and choose from this teaching that is useful for me? And oh, there's another teaching. What can I pick and choose from that? So for example, with my parents, they looked at Judaism and they said, well, we like X, Y, and Z about it, but we don't like A, B, and C. So we're going to take these parts, but not these other parts. And then we're going to raise our children that way without ever realizing how incredibly confusing that is. Because I never got it. I didn't get it until I was in my 20s. But what was going on for me was I was being made to go to Hebrew school, which I did not want to do. I did not want to become bar mitzvah. My mother told me that I had to go because if I didn't, if I, if I didn't get bar mitzvah, her mother would be angry with her. That was the reason I was given. So trained to caretake in that moment. And trained to say, well, you have to have these beliefs. It's not up to you. 
And then the day after my bar mitzvah, I said, I'm never going to temple again and I'm not missing any more school. This is, we're done. And my parents didn't really know what to do with me then because I'd fulfilled the contract. I did the thing for my grandmother. And they're like, uh, okay. I don't think they knew what to do. <laughs> but they were operating inside a kind of subjectivism because, you know, 1500 years ago, when people looked at a religion or a philosophy, they looked at it as a whole. They looked at it in an entirety. This is a model. You, you wouldn't look at a periodic table and go, well, I believe in chlorine, but not in boron. Right? A scientist would look at you like you're insane because the model that produces the model of chlorine is the same thing that produces the model of boron. In other words, if you accept all of the scientific assumptions that give us chlorine, because chlorine is just a name, it is what it is, right? But it has an atomic number, an atomic weight, and you know we look at these things and we call them neutrons, and we look at these things and we call them uh, protons, and yada, yada, yada. And that model, when we put all that together, this substance is the thing we call chlorine. And this other substance can't be chlorine by the same set of assumptions, we call it boron. And you look at it and go, well, no, I believe that chlorine and boron are actually the same thing. And there needs to be one less element on the periodic table. Right? That's not sane. That's not critical thinking. Because if you accept chlorine, you're accepting all of the premises that led to chlorine. So I don't understand how someone can be a Jew and not believe in God. It doesn't make any sense. Now, then it gets very confused. Well, there's like the heritage and the ethnicity of it and yada, yada, yada. But you see how common this is in the world. Because we live in an age where this kind of subjectivism is, is accepted. And that's cool. Hey, if people want to be a subjectivist, that's fine. They want to try out pulling you know, this idea from Christianity and this idea from Buddhism and this idea from Hinduism and sort of make a tapestry of it. That's fine. But know that that's what you're doing. And know that there are going to be consequences for taking teachings and ideas out of their context. Like if you believe in chlorine in one moment and magic in another moment, that's going to be limited, right? If, you're, if you build a fire, and you know, say you're a scientist, but when you build a fire, you don't subscribe to the, what's going on as the oxidation of the materials. You think you're re- releasing the phlogiston which was a renaissance, pre-renaissance, I think, idea of what fire was. You're releasing the phlogiston that is like this fire element that is an essential in all things. That's going to limit you as a scientist. <laughs> no? Because it's not a coherent model anymore. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.